0: This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from Second Life, it's Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. Uh, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us.
1: <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest running science fiction television program, with Louis Trapani, hello. Ken Deep, hello, James Norton, hello, new Fabulous! Reviews, oh no! And fan mail for James.
0: No, for 40,000.
1: Doctor Who Podshock, from the Gallifrey Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh
0: yeah, we blew that.
2: <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you?
0: The Gallifrey Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 253. This is Louis Trapani, and welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. As we had promised a couple episodes back... That we would be recording a panel discussion at our next at our next seasonal meetup on Second Life, and we did have a seasonal meetup this past Saturday, August twentieth, on Second Life, and we had a good turnout. and Thank you for all those that did come to uh, to our regular meetups. It's a great way for everyone to come together and meet up with the Doctor Who Pacha crew and meet up with other Doctor Who fans and Torchwood fans and alike. And there's no barriers. There's no there's no charge for admission. There's no geographical barriers. And there's no planes to catch. There's no trains to catch. There's no parking. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. We had a good turnout. We decided to have some fun on this panel. So, And we also want to hear what your take on this panel discussion is, too. So we want to get your feedback as well. But before we go into the panel, let me just say that we have been reviewing Torchwood Miracle Day. I don't know if you've been watching it. And... Well, if you haven't, we've been reviewing it on a weekly basis, live review shows every Sunday on The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. We just recorded our review of Episode 6, The Middlemen. We've been recording our reviews on the schedule of the BBC so that we can be inclusive to everyone. You can check out the episodes on ArtTrap.com or PodChalk.net, or better yet, subscribe to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi to stay on top of all our episodes we've been reviewing all 10 episodes we've done six this sunday we'll be reviewing episode seven we'll also be reviewing for dr Who Ponchak live on the net we'll be reviewing the return of the 2011 series of dr who when the series resumes with let's kill hitler this saturday on the 27th on bbc america and bbc Also of note, BBC America is coming to Cablevision after a long, long, long time of no BBC America on Cablevision. It's finally coming there and just in time for the resumption of the 2011 series. So if you are a Cablevision subscriber, that's something to be happy and cheerful about. That is, if you're getting the whole family package, that is. Well, without any further ado, let's go to our panel discussion that was recorded live on Second Life at our seasonal meetup. We hope you can join us this November when we come together again for our seasonal meetup. And it will be just in time for Doctor Who's anniversary. And we'll be recording another panel discussion at that time. Topic is still unknown. Welcome to Doctor Who Pachuk on Second Life. We're at our seasonal meetup here at Second Life. And we're doing something different this time, as promised with our last episode. Well, actually, a couple episodes back when we had a panel discussion from Second Life which was a panel discussion celebrating Doctor Who fandom on Second Life for uh, for the Second Life's 8th anniversary birthday celebration. And that was um, head up by one of our distinguished guests that we have on the panel today. And I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves in a minute. But this is Louis Trapani, and welcome to our show. And on behalf of uh, Ken Deep and James Norton, who are, have been invited, but they're not here today. So I'll be um, representing... Dr. Hupanchak, myself, here. and uh, But I see we have many listeners in the audience. And we welcome you all here. Uh, I see we have a good crowd here. Uh, early on, we normally, during our seasonal meetups at this time, we do the TARDIS tours, which Victor heads up and does a marvelous job at that. But we decided to do a panel discussion because of the success that we had last time doing this. And I want to thank all our guests. So I'm going to give... The floor over to our guests, starting with Victor, and we'll work our way if they can, everyone can introduce themselves to um, to the audience. So, Victor, why don't you start?
1: Uh, oh, right. Hello, uh, I'm Victor. Good morning. One of the current co-owners of the Doctor Who Experience, and I'm uh, sorry, Doctor Who Expo, and Second Life, and one of the hosts of the Mind Probe YouTube Doctor Who review. A podcast video thingy that we have on YouTube,
0: yes Okay, next okay. is Safia
3: Okay, I'm Safia Widdershins, I produce Prim Perfect magazine and Second Life, the Designing World's TV programme and I should tell you that on Monday at 2pm we have a show going out about the hands of Omega so um You'll be Yay. able to see us exploring cool. um, South and talking to a couple of people on the panel as well in that show. So I do Prim Perfect designing worlds. So I also am behind the web comic, The Quest for the Golden Prim, which is a steampunk web comic uh, that appears every Sunday. And I'm um, a long-term Doctor Who fan. Not, I'm afraid. Very fanatical, but certainly a long term enthusiastic viewer, shall we say. Uh, I also got to see David Tennant on his first night as Hamlet, which is my other claim to fame. Ooh.
0: <laughs> Fantastic.
2: Oh, please. Terry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I believe next up would be um, Ulan.
2: Hi, I'm Ulan Sputnik. I'm a quarter of the Dirty Whores podcast. Um, I've been in Second Life quite a while. um, And I'm very much involved in the role play here, in the Doctor Who role play, the ongoing campaign of the Houses of Gallifrey. Um, That's me.
0: Fantastic. And I I think we have another quarter next to you, which is Terry.
4: Yes, I'm uh, another quarter. (laughs) of the Jody uh, Whores podcast and in Second Life I'm a role player I play an assistant uh, to a little time lord and um, who happens to be the chancellor on the high council and I'm his beleaguered personal assistant basically
0: well, thank you for and being here.
4: Make... Thank you. Thank you for inviting us.
0: Well, thanks everyone for our distinguished panel for being here, for joining us, and uh, much of this panel, well, all this panel here was also represented last time in our panel discussion, which, as I said at the opening, which was um, based on the Doctor Who fandom on Second in Second Life, and it was part of the eighth anniversary of Second Life, which took place back in June. The, the end of June, I believe, so um, just a couple months later and we're back again and we're doing it all over again but something that we kind of brushed upon in that last panel discussion was was about about Doctor Who and maybe we got into a discussion about different casting and different possibilities and I thought maybe we might go more into that territory, so what we're going to do is sort of do a little role play here where we're going to, all of us, we're going to zoom forward to the year 2016 or so, give or take. Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith have decided it's time to move on. And you have been appointed to the new position of executive producer of the series. And that's the premise of this panel that we're going to talk about. So, everyone, what would you do? We've what all direction? Died and gone to heaven essentially? brilliant. <laughs> What direction would you take the series? What aspects of Doctor Who would you bring back, if any? Who would you cast? So, <laughs> I, I know I'm that's... i
4: afraid if, if I'm the executive producer of Doctor Who, it's
2: all going to fall apart.
0: <laughs> it's all over, it's like the
2: fantasy football version of Doctor Who, then, Okay. All right.
0: Pretty much so. As I said last time, we got into some um, discussion about who would make an interesting doctor, what actor, and so forth. So it's similar to that, where you now you're in charge. or You, you don't have to go into details as far as exactly who you would cast, but maybe a type, you know, a type of person or... Um, would you go older, younger? Well I don't think you could go much younger than Matt Smith right now, so <laughs> <laughs> teenage. Oh, teenage
4: a thirteen year old.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: By twenty sixteen, who knows?
4: Goddess,
0: yes. You never know.
2: Mm. Oh I don't know, he'd be quite a good age though, wouldn't he? He'd be quite a good age and make quite a good doctor by twenty sixteen. Daniel Radcliffe, you mean. Yeah. Yeah, he would Yeah, I can kinda of see that. He's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a dark edge to him. When he Actually, plays it,
4: Rupert Grint. <laughs> I liked it. good oh, c- oh. God. He's funny.
3: <laughs> Perennial funny character. <laughs> Perennial kind of companion
4: material. I would think. Oh no, as an older man, he. Be-
2: yeah, but so was Tristram Farnon, you know, and he turned out to be Doctor Who. So, and he was he was the companion with me and all creatures great and small. I don't know.
0: Yeah, true. Well, what do you think of an older gentleman? Someone that, when I say older, I just mean anyone with, let's say, grey hair. <laughs> totally,
4: totally want an older I, I guy.
0: Like a a John Pertwee type.
4: Well,
3: I was thinking yeah. the one
0: that they should have is Bill Nighy. Yes.
3: Yeah, yes.
2: yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there was talk about that a while ago, but mm-hmm. that would be... But I don't think that's necessarily about him being an older person. I think that's because he brings so much baggage with him as a character mm. that he'd make such a great doctor, you know, like McCoy you know, did, et cetera.
4: I just watched a movie called Wild Target last night, and it was mm-hmm. Bill Nye was the main character. He was so wonderful in that, and I was like, ugh, oh,
2: what a great doctor he would have been cuddling, stick a bow tie on him, push him in the box. Perfect.
3: Another one who I think would be really interesting as the Doctor would be Andy Serkis.
4: Now, who's
0: he? Ooh, he d- didn't he play Gollum? Gollum? <laughs> Gollum. Yeah.
2: Oh, He's an incredible mime artist. He's
4: awesome.
2: In a good way, not in a French way. <laughs> He's
3: a fantastic actor. Did you see him in the programme about Lord Longford where he played Ian Brady?
0: What?
2: Yes, I did, actually. Yeah. Can you yeah. Mm.
3: In, which, in which show? Um,
2: he played Ian Brackham. It
3: was called. Cool. Uh, it was a show about Lord Longford, who is a prison reform campaigner who befriended Myra Hindley, who's a very famous English murderer mm. who killed um, children with her companion Ian Brady. Good. And Andy Serkis played Ian Brady, in that and that was was chilling. I mean, it was sort of an older Ian Brady in prison, and he was completely chilling and, and wonderful. And I'm not saying we should have a chilling Doctor Who. Um,
2: but well, I would stir it up a bit. Just, uh,
3: yeah, just,
2: just maybe just it'll be, be more appropriate in a few years. Yes, But maybe, a bit, you know, going a bit darker. It's been going, you could say, steadily darker. Perhaps. What do you
0: think where it's going. Yeah. an audience reaction would be to a, a someone that's a little older playing the Doctor? I mean, so far we had fairly youthful doctors. We had, you know, well um, Eccleston, and then we went younger with Tennant, and now even younger now with with Matt Smith. Do you think there'll be some reaction in the in the audience as far as? Um, <laughs> I think
2: there's kind of two schools. A lot of the classic fans would love an older Doctor. A lot of the new series fans are used to a much younger Doctor. And yeah. it's not our Doctor. We're, we're the classic, well, you know, I'm a classic series fan. Mm. It, I'm not going to get it. And even if I was building Doctor Who, I think, I don't think I could go that old unless it was a real character that, people, that kids could identify with. So it would have to be quite extreme, and I don't know. Uh, Maybe stay younger.
4: Favorite uncle, favorite uncle type person. Um, But yeah, I think newer fans of the who who are only familiar with the new series would be really shocked by an older Doctor, and they're so used to. uh, Well, I mean, the teenage girl audience would be would be shocked. They would. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I think I think that when they they introduced um when they had Christopher Eccleston they set up Jack Harkness as a kind of
0: mm. uh, the the Ian Chesterton shoot, type also, of character.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe that would be the way if you had an older doctor you would need like a younger male companion to be Yes. Agreed.
4: You know, um, an Ian
3: yeah, right yeah. into his Picard sort of
4: thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. True. That that would that'd be fine. That would be fine. Yeah, they could do it that way. That's the thing about... I'd like the to see the
2: Doctor get, get on with being brainy. Yeah. Yes.
0: Well, yeah. what's interesting is that Stephen Moffat had originally said that he, when he was casting for the new Doctor, that he had in mind someone older. And if you go back to... if If, if you were to assume that the whole river phoenix character was river song lewis river song you know thought out that you know from the beginning you know maybe not to every exact detail but he had a rough idea where what he was going to do with the river phoenix character when we first meet river phoenix is with a you know with David Tennant playing the doctor and her comments was that oh you're so much younger and so we have to assume that maybe originally Stephen Moffat assumed that the next doctor doctor number 11 would be an older doctor because her comments were That's oh a- you're so much younger now
4: Yeah, very good point. And I had heard that he was looking for someone older, and I was really happy about that. But I was also happy that they chose Matt Smith because I'd seen him in the Ruby and the Smoke in that little role that he had. And frankly, he was the only interesting character for me in that whole thing. And I remember thinking that he was really magnetic. So when they suggested him, they said that he was going to be the next Doctor. I was like, yeah, he's going to do well. So I can see how Stephen Moffat, seeing matt smith probably said wow okay this guy's got something special and he does and he's able to carry off that old person in a young person's body so it's it doesn't really feel too creepy
2: that he's like i think got it, his personality song. isn't it yeah you know, it's as weird as you know, a bag of frogs yeah, living he's just
0: perfect
4: yeah otherwise river song and him would just look like mom and son
0: yeah, if I apologize you know, if Lewis, I said if I said River Phoenix. I meant Ridge, River Song. For some reason, he's he's sorry, um I, he's haunting me. For...
4: me. I meant River Song.
0: <laughs> no, I I don't know if I said it or not. I don't. I know I said it a couple podcasts ago, and for some reason it stuck in my head. I don't know why. I mean, it's not like I have even seen a movie with him recently, in it. So it's just very bizarre. But how many rivers River do you Phoenix know?
4: Still alive in the time continuum. <laughs>
0: All right now I completely lost track of where I was going with this. So um
2: well, something that you mentioned was the um the comment that she made to him about him being younger, and I never saw that as an age thing. I just saw that as that he was less mature, that he was gonna go through more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I never saw that as an age thing.
4: Well, words can it be interpreted in so many ways.
2: Indeed.
0: Any other thoughts about well, Victor, I we really haven't heard much from you. I I know um Any thoughts about who you would cast for the Doctor?
1: Here's what I would do. I would, if I was taking over Doctor Who, I would cancel EastEnders, use the budget... Of course, I couldn't really cancel EastEnders, but I would cancel it anyway (laughs) if this was a perfect world. I would cancel EastEnders, use the extra budget from EastEnders to then support Doctor Who. I would then split up Doctor Who into half an hour episodes. Yes! 30 30 episodes in total... Yeah, baby. And then I would cast Robert Carlyle as the Doctor. <laughs> <Great. Yeah. laughs> right on. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I would do. And
0: finished. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I didn't. No, yeah, I,
2: I suppose that's <laughs> it, isn't it? If you go with the complete fantasy way, then. You know, if we really say what we want, then I think it's a classic van. Yes, Older Doctor. Whether it's going to work or not, if it's our, if this is our fantasy chance to produce, get some of the classic assistants back. Get some of the classic monsters back and reimagine them. Alpha Centauri, let's see what it looks like now. Yeah. You'd have so much fun, <laughs> wouldn't you?
0: I want to see Alpha Centauri so
2: bad. Absolutely.
0: I modernize you know Alpha, Alpha Centauri, yeah. yes.
2: Right. First okay boys. First first writers meeting. Let's talk zygons. zygons. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> zygons Zygons is yeah. one of the most requested. Me, right. Yeah. Zygons have to be the one of the most requested creatures to bring back, aliens to bring back. At least, you know, in the in the time span that we've been doing Doctor Who, Pachak, we got more people asking about that than any other you know, returning. They have great creatures.
2: technology.
4: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Carl in the
2: audience just said Draconians That's a good one as well, I'd love to see the Draconians But they were such a classic race They were Purdue's favourite, weren't they? Mm. I'm not surprised, yeah. I'd like to see Draconians too Good call, and Yeti that a great one
3: <laughs> Yeah, the Yeti were wonderful And the Ice Warriors
4: I like the Ice Warriors
0: Classic Patrick Troughton era uh, I'd like
4: to see Ice Warriors Because I haven't. I, I still haven't seen the original Ice Warriors story is it a recon or is it full story? You know, what I would like to see more of
3: was something that was introduced in the last episode, which was the, um, the Victorian couple. I can't remember the name of her race.
0: Oh, the Solorian, The, Silorian, the, um, the yeah Val... And her maid. What's her name again? Val? Yeah. Valstra? Everyone
4: wants to see that show. Yeah. <laughs> They fight crime
0: it seemed like a spin-off it seemed like it was set up for a spin-off didn't it
2: yeah it, it did. totally did it would be nice be it would be nice if you mor- got his own spin-off in the same way torch would have happened
4: yeah that was a more mm-hmm. from orc moment you know
0: well d- d- didn't we go if we go back to the Thailands of wang Yang, wasn't lightfoot and um, oh, no yeah diego
5: i, I just diego. Re- diego. I, I
0: just realized harry's surname there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, was it Jaeger and Lightfoot? Wasn't that a sort of a premise for a a possible spinoff at the time?
2: Really? Yeah, um, because they did the audiobooks as well, didn't they? They've done all the audios recently. Mm. Big finish.
0: I think it was a possibility that nether nether panned out. So, okay, so we thought any villains that, I mean, we spoke about some races that we would like to bring back. Do we bring back the Master? And if so, who would...
2: Yes, c- but properly?
0: I was going to say that. Who who would you cast as the Master, and how would it be played?
3: Actually, having seen um, a British TV series recently called Shadowline, uh, I'd bring back Stephen Rear as the Master, because he was utterly, utterly terrifying.
2: Yeah, and you want terrifying, but you want an undertone of slight weird in comedy i think i'd go alan Ringman.
4: oh god he would be so natural for the master oh my god um i was thinking um uh, this left my mind i'll get back to
2: you this is why we edit a lot mm. <laughs> this is what when i try to think
0: Victor, oh, any oh, thoughts Anthony on that? Anthony
4: Stewart Head. Anthony Stewart Head. Oh,
0: good call. Oh, yes. Oh,
4: God. Uh, he he's been a, he's just too much of a gentleman He's fantastic.
0: Oh, the master could
2: be a gentleman. He's only not been a gentleman of late. He yeah. was only not found in the last one. He was all right up until then. Come
4: yeah. on. Uh, Jacoby played him as a gentleman, and then they put in John Sim as a person who's just completely lost his mind, which I could understand in a short-term way. But I, I couldn't bear to see the master be a loony bin for evermore. That This is just not right. He's a Time Lord who's got to have that little snobby, above-you-all edge to him. That's mm-hmm. the way I see all the Time Lords. He's you know, always got to have the bad tailor. That way, you know, just a little bit of arrogance and, you know, ugh, I don't want to be bothered with getting my hands dirty. That's why I hypnotize people.
0: I mean, the master, OK, he may be off his rocker, but he shouldn't be presented that way. I just I think they went a little bit too far down that path in the the, the recent portrayal of the master. You know, yeah, you need someone care. that's kind of thinking and manipulative and, uh, you know. Well, I mean, really, the Roger Delgado is the perfect template, you know. And oh, yeah. if, if if we have someone that that can bring back that that aura, that. Roger Delgado had, I don't, you know, I think he really defined the role. Yeah, mm. I think yeah, i to be a
4: good call for that. And I loved his, his wishy-washy cowardice. One minute he's going one direction, <laughs>
2: and the next video <laughs> I'll just turn tail as soon as his plot me, goes to Save goes me, doctor, save yeah. me!
4: Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I think inside? if the. Hmm. Uh, it, it still has connotations for me. I can't take you, Grant, seriously.
1: <clears throat> what you need for the master is someone that can fit themselves into the role that the producer and the director and the writers want them to fit into. Someone like you, Laurie. You, Laurie? Hmm.
4: Do Laurie as anything in Doctor Who, either the master or the doctor or anything. In not life. a Dalek, though, because that'd be a waste. No. <laughs> <laughs> a major waste.
2: I think apart from the master, do you know, I'd like to see back. I'd like to see Sutek. I'd like a nice big Sutek or Amiga. Get the big guns out.
4: I don't want
3: Get a
2: classic big gun Omega. out and really kick the hell out of the planet Earth.
3: What about, what about reuniting? Um, the old partnership, and having Hugh Laurie as the master and Stephen Fry as the
4: master. oh god, that would be so wonderful. <laughs> uh,
2: if I ever do a okay. film, you're on casting, Sapphire.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous.
0: Okay, so we got Zygons back. We have the master back. We have Omega, and we have um. Mm.
3: Yeah.
2: I
4: want Brian Blessed Ah oh. been
2: sad Perry and Blessed would be great oh Yeah It'd it be nice to, to see Perry and Blessed in something, wouldn't it?
4: <laughs> what character would you have him play? The same one or something different?
2: He's always kind of had that Rathalon thing to me Because the original Rathalon oh, yeah. had a beard I always thought I'd take him out yeah. to play Rathalon But now Rathalon's a bit more James Bond It kind of doesn't make sense
4: no. I mean the regeneration, he can regenerate into any sort of person. I mean, it doesn't have to be
2: Andy. Brian's a really good actor when he puts his gravitas on there. He, he often gets taken for a lot of comedy roles. When he actually does it straight and plays it straight, my god, that man's got some power to be a
0: yeah, he, he really a needs
2: to learn in a room.
0: He needs to learn to project himself because he's just like quiet as a mouse. <laughs>
2: Mouse isn't it?
0: Mouse the like mouse.
4: <laughs> you're just you're playing it too subtle, Brian. Please try. Put some force behind it. Of well, course he played um
3: he he played um Claudius in um Hath- He did in the oh god, the season they had Roger Reese's Hamlet, and it was Kenneth Branner's first season at Stratford, and he was playing Laertes. Mm. And he's done. He's actually done quite a bit of Shakespeare with. Um...
2: He's done a lot, and of course, I Claudius, etc. As well. He's, um, oh, oh, yeah. I did a bit of work with him last year. Um, Uh, We were doing this uh, Brian Blessed alarm clock. It's one of these daft app projects that I do on the side. We did a Brian Blessed sat-nav as well campaign and things like that. Brian's a lovely guy. We go over to his house and record in his shed, basically. And I was stood in Brian Blessed's shed with a cup of tea in my hand, directing (laughs) Brian Blessed in Shakespeare. And I thought, it doesn't get more English than being in a shed with a cup of tea with Brian Blessed doing Shakespeare, really, does it?
3: And I'd love to get that uh, sat nav. How do you get it? Is it now? It's Tom.
2: It's through Tom Tom. We did the campaign thing with Tom, so it's a voice you download for theirs. That. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah, the blessed um, alarm clock will be coming out soon.
4: It, uh, also, the Ronnie. I want the Ronnie to come back, and I want the shoot the girl from X Files to play her.
0: Wait a minute. I thought right. I thought Sophia was going to play her.
4: Gillian Anderson. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Second Life. Yes, the fair as Anderson Safia. has. Yeah, in Second Life, Safia plays the Ronnie. In the series, I would like Gillian Anderson to play the Ronnie. Oh my God, she would just kill that.
0: So uh, no, she's, sorry. she's an American, Barbara isn't Windsor.
2: she? Barbara Windsor for the Ronnie all the way.
4: Which one? Who's Barbara Windsor now? She was in Atari on on movies. Mm, I can't
2: remember. She's in EastEnders and stuff. She's the, matriarch, yeah. in the evil matriarch in EastEnders. And she'd be great. If Ronnie came back like really old, really in a mess and looking for a new body, that'd mm. be brilliant. If it was Babs Winsor, that'd be Joanna hell of
4: a lot. Lumley. Someone in the audience just said Joanna Lumley. Ooh.
2: That would
1: rock. Yes. That would rock. So here's the thing we've been hearing We've been hearing from the panelists. What about you, Lewis? Who would you have as
0: the doctor? Yeah. Who would you
1: have
4: as the master? Yeah, come on.
0: Well, I would. Cough it up. I would go. <laughs> I, I would go uh, with an older doctor, not uh, someone maybe um, a, a John Pertwee type, and and uh, go from there and see, kind of explore. I think you, you're probably right. I think what we discussed earlier, uh, as far as um, having a companion to offset, maybe. The age difference and have a younger companion, you know, and and I think what's going on right now, having two companions on, in the TARDIS, I think works very well. So you know, yeah. you could have uh, you, you, multiple companions.
2: Want mm-hmm. to keep, want to kill every week. Very handy. Yes, exactly. Um, and what you
4: said about John Pertwee, yeah, uh, we need an older guy who acts young as opposed to what we have now.
0: Yeah, the, a youthful. The when, I, when I. Old. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fine. You know, John Pertwee was very energetic. You know, people compared him to, you know, like a James Bond of Doctor Who, you know, where he was constantly, you know, hopping on scooters and, you know, and he, he was very energetic. And I know right. other actors tried to bring that into the role as well, you know, post John Pertwee, you know, I know um, that there were attempts to do that, but I think he really nailed it. And um, well, if we can have again, I don't have any particular person in mind, but that would be the type of direction I would go into. Nothing wrong with the younger doctors, but I just think we have it's been played, you know. If you had asked me 20 years ago, I probably would have said a younger doctor, you know, and, and kind of explore that. But I think we've already done that now. So I think it's time to, to move back to, you know, someone that, that has a, maybe a, a few more wrinkles in the face and mm-hmm. a couple more gray hairs on the head.
4: Time to shake it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, of course, everybody suggests um, Cumberbatch for the uh, master. Forgot about that.
0: Yeah, I think he's an excellent actor. I definitely think he would be worthy of, of, of that role. So I know Perry was mentioned before, so now it's time to do a special episode where the Doctor meets up with a past companion. So which living companion do we bring back for this special episode? And and and, and I guess since, since I was talking about the Doctor and I had mentioned Ian before, I'll say Ian Chesterton since um, we still at, at least... Um, you know, uh, hopefully by the year 2016, he'll still be with us. <laughs> I, I hate to say that, yeah, um, but Harry <laughs>
4: is looking pretty good still, so
0: she'd be good. Well, R- Ramon is another just... one. You know, of course, so the, the of
4: course, I her in, her some...
1: American makes me want to kill myself. We, we haven't really had that many companions that scream, so I think they should bring back Mel.
0: You're making okay, no sense. I'm going to have
4: to start swearing <laughs> at you right now
0: I think Karen Gillan does some <laughs> screaming That's a
4: lot of editing
0: <laughs>
4: Don't ever say that again
2: Okay, well, I'd, I'd go for Joe Grant Just so I could hang out on set with Katie Manning While they were filming
1: <laughs> I, I, I can just imagine that The current doctor meeting Ian Chesterton and his reaction Is something like
0: Checks the field? Well, I had mentioned Rambana, and I think, you know, we established now, Okay, the masters, you know, because during that whole Christopher Eccleston period, he was, you know, he was the last of his kind and the only one and yada, yada, yada. And to me, that doesn't really isn't as compelling as someone that's. Race, you know that that 's fleeing from his own people that are that 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 ran away from I, you know the doctor as a renegade is more appealing to me than the last of his kind type of thing, so i uh, I would somehow manage to bring the time lords back and maybe do it via Ramana that maybe she 's the key to it all bring oh, that back that um, aspect couldn't, back i, I
4: couldn 't agree with you more on that. The time lords <clears throat> need to come back having an uh, having a god mode. God mod um mm. doctor is boring you know he's he 's basically like
0: this he has no one to answer to himself
4: yeah it 's not fun i I like it better when he 's being harassed by superiors and and he 's on the run on the lamb he 's having his adventures and he 's rebelling he 's the
1: rebellion exactly you know he's he's revolting.
0: Well, I, I don't think we want any more trials. I think that that's kind of been played out. Ugh. But, but to have someone that he can, you know, that he's, you know, he's eluding or trying to avoid, or because he was always this anti-authoritarian type of character, and if if there's no one for him to answer to, then that that part of his character diminishes. When if, he, if he's if if he's the last word in everything.
4: Yeah, it, it just to, to be just honest. becomes boring. He becomes be the establishment. Honest.
0: Exactly.
1: exactly. But the time, for the time, 2016 did roll around, and Moffat decided he was going to leave. I'd reckon Moffat would have brought back the Time Lords long before 2016. I'm thinking that by, not by the end of this. <laughs> But by the end of the 2012 season, Moffat would have set it up to bring the Time Lords back because he wants Mm. to bring them back.
2: Yeah. 50th anniversary. It might be the time. Jinx. (laughs) No backses.
0: We'll continue with the panel discussion in just a moment. We want to take a quick break to remind you about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible provides over 85,000 titles to choose from in every genre. Be it thrillers, business, romance, comedy, of course, science fiction, and so much more, Audible titles are available for your iPhone, Kindle, Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime, anywhere. For you listeners of Doctor Who Podchok, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial, so you have a chance to check out their service. Even if you decide it's not right for you, you can still keep your free audiobook. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com/pachak. Again, that's audibletrial.com/pachak for your free audiobook. As always, we would like to make a recommendation, a suggestion of what you might want to listen to or, you know, what your free audiobook could be. It doesn't have to be this, but, you know, you can choose whatever they have to offer. So, we're recommending this time, we're recommending Doctor Who. The Way Through the Woods. It's by Una McCormick, and it's narrated by Mira Saral. It's a story that depicts missing people that are going missing in the woods, starting in England 1917, and then current day with Rory Williams, who was looking after Emily Bostock. They were investigating missing incidents from 1917, and they went into the woods, and they too disappeared. There's something waiting in the woods, something that's been there for thousands of years, something that's now waking up. And the doctor and Amy are desperate to find out what's happened to Rory. Here's a little sample of Doctor Who, The Way Through the Woods.
5: Between the housing estate and the motorway lies an ancient wood. Birds live there, and foxes, and the many small beasts that snuffle round the undergrowth, busy on their own quiet errands. The woods teem with life sharp, clever robins and blackbirds with bright and restless eyes, owls that sleep by day and quest by night, vivid, darting butterflies, and all the wild and thrilling creatures, badgers and hares, and maybe even a glimpse of a soft-eyed, soft-footed deer with her small fawn. Yes, the woods are filled with life. But not with people. People, human people, don't go near the woods. The birds are left to nest in peace, the foxes to trot and hunt, the many small beasts to run and hide. And if, on a clear bright day, you took to the skies and you flew high, high above the land, you would see the trees gathered thickly in their hollow, old and dark and patient. You would see how the housing estate backs away from the forest, and you would see too how the motorway strains and bends to avoid it. Screwing up your eyes, You would look for a path leading into the woods, but you would not find one. Because there is no way through the woods. There has never been a way through the woods. Chapter One England, Autumn, Just Before the Ten O'Clock News Vicky Kane's watch was a sixteenth birthday present from her dad. Vicky Kane's dad was short of cash that month, and the watch was of doubtful origin. But Vicky didn't mind. She appreciated the thought, and she'd almost saved up enough from babysitting to get a proper watch, if she really wanted one. Besides, after sixteen years, Vicky had a pretty good idea of what her dad was like. Fun, but not what you would call reliable. Unfortunately for Vicky, her dad's gift wasn't very reliable either. Vicky Kane's watch had stopped twenty-two minutes earlier, but Vicky didn't know that yet. She was babysitting that evening for her parents' friends, Carol and Frank, who were at their dancing class. Carol had made Frank take up tango because of Vincent on Strictly Come Dancing. Vicky took their little boy Alfie up to bed at seven o'clock, read him his Charlie and Lola book, twice, and then she settled down in front of the television. Vicky liked BBC Four, but her older brother, Mark, laughed at her whenever she switched it on at home. Now she had four straight hours, curled up in Carol's brown leather sofa, undisturbed by brothers or fathers. Bliss. Partway through a documentary about the ancient Greeks, Carol and Frank came back in, cheerful from the exercise. They all had a cup of tea and a chat, and then Vicky noticed the time on her watch. Five to ten. "'Hey,' she said, "'I'm going to miss my bus. I'd better run.' She grabbed her coat and gave Carol a quick kiss, waving away Frank's offer of a lift, as she did every week. No point in that, when the bus took Vicky almost to her front door. Frank watched her to the end of the street. The stop was no more than a minute's walk from there.
0: Again, this could be your free audiobook selection. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash Pachok for your free audio book. And if you're driving you didn't get that URL, just simply go to net and you'll find a link on our website for this offer. Hey, as I'm editing this in post-production right now, there's, um, well, there's this scare about Hurricane Irene coming up to this area. There's evacuation notices that are been sent out. So I don't know what's going on. All I know is, um, is that it's like unlikely that I'm be I'll be able to evacuate and um it's just not practical. There was flooding here a few years ago and if there's flooding again someone needs to be here to um well to keep I mean th- there won't be a show anymore that's for sure. Um I mean cuz all the gear everything needs to be elevated if that's the case. So um I don't know. We have a schedule we have two live shows scheduled for Sunday. One is Dr. Who at four o'clock reviewing Let's Kill Let's Kill Hitler. And then uh one at 7 p.m. for Torchwood, reviewing Torchwood for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. i uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, that is. So I don't know whether or not these will still be taking place or whether or not I'll still have power or internet. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully the storm will veer away. Doesn't seem likely now, but it's just been a horrible month. It's been a, a horrible couple of weeks. I just buried a longtime friend today, and in fact, it's it's someone that actually has been on this podcast in a sense. And we uh, will for our next episode of Doctor Podchuck, we'll try to do a, something special in his honor. I don't know. It's just been, a, as I said, I, I won't go into the minutia of it all, but it's been a very, very trying month, to say the least. And frankly, I'm at my wit's end, so <laughs> this evacuation and Hurricane Irene is the last thing I needed right now. Well, oh, whatever. Whatever will be, will be, but... So, we'll see what goes on. Hopefully, this podcast, this episode, will get out before the hurricane does... That's another thing I have these two um shows that are this episode and the latest Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci Fi have been in post production this week with everything going on with the with wakes and funerals and masses and burials and it's just um things have been delayed, so I apologize for the delay and we'll get hopefully get these episodes out and now I don't know if I'll have power or as I said, internet. So maybe um, the live shows won't happen this Sunday. I don't know if these episodes will get out. The ones that I'm in post-production right now, hopefully they will. It brings me to the point where I do want to thank those that have been supporting the show, Dr. Who Podstock supporting subscribers, because without their support right now, this show, this podcast would have ended long ago i mean it's just it's a matter of finances but we are tremendously grateful for your support if you are a pod supporting subscriber it's uh does really make a difference and i know we've been promising some extra shows we just uh just frankly it, it just hasn't happened yet but we'll get We'll you know we, we have obviously we, we've done a bunch of extra shows but we'll have more planned coming to you So if you'd like to help out and become a PodChuck Supporting Subscriber, if you're not already one, please go to either arttrap.com or podchuck.net. Now more than ever, we need your support. Not only will you be supporting the show, but as I said, you'll get some extra content and other bonuses and advantages that we like to offer our supporters. Again, a big thank you to all our supporters. I, I say that very sincerely. And again... Uh, Pachock.net or ArtTrap.com. If you go to those sites, up on the top, there's a little banner there, and you, for a, for a very small monthly fee, you can become a supporter of this show. We're we're not getting the advertising money that we had hoped for. We're not, you know, the 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 donations have really come to an end. So it's through our supporting subscribers that really have been keeping the show going. So thank you again. So on that note, let's return back to our Second Life meetup with our live panel discussion on what would you do, what would who do. And as I said in the beginning of the show, we'd like to hear your feedback on this as well. So please send in your feedback. If you go to podchock.net and click on the top, there's a feedback button. We want to hear what you might do if you were in the position of producer of Doctor Who. Well do, do we do a multi a multiple doctor story now?
4: Oh god, please, please. Yes,
2: C J is good enough. Go on, let's just get on the mountain. them out and drop them round.
4: Time war flashback. I think if cross we cross time time streams, they meet each other and somehow the the time lock is destroyed, the Daleks are beaten, whatever.
0: Well, I think if we do a multiple Doctor said. story, it would have to be Paul McGann and onwards because anyone before yeah. Paul McGann really doesn't look the part anymore unless no, no. they're somehow represented in a, you know, in <laughs> in a way that we don't really see them or, you know, whatever. But I, that kind of diminishes the character. but. I, I think that it would have to be... The the beauty about Paul McGann is that we've never seen him regenerate, you know, into Christopher Eccleston, so we don't know what he looked like Lewis. at the Get end. I'm, my audio's out.
3: Oh, good, you're
0: back. I'm back. I don't know what happened. <laughs> OK,
3: I I saw a sort of spin-off opportunity... Um, Which I would love to see pursued further, and that was the character of the doctor's daughter, and
1: I thought,
3: yes, as her companion, she could have the inarticulate soldier, who should have been matched up with Donna, and who Donna missed out on at the end of the um, the library story. That you remember, she had this perfect romance with the guy and then he, he was shy and stammered and she just thought he was fantasy but he was actually real and wasn't able to speak before she went. I thought that he turned and teamed up with the doctor's daughter and they went looking for Donna. That could be really quite interesting. Donna and the doctor.
0: Yeah, they had set up the doctor's daughter at the end of that episode deliberately for her to come back in some shape or form. Mm. I think it's just a matter of time before we do see her again. Well, I hope so
3: because hmm. she's an interesting character.
0: So I think I was talking about uh, multiple doctors, you know, and having a multiple doctor story. And I think what I, I don't know what time, what at what point my audio left me. So forgive me if any of this is you know me repeating myself, but. I think the beauty with with the eighth doctor is that we never seen him regenerate into Christopher Eccleston. So, we can bring him back at any, you know, he doesn't doesn't matter what he looks like now because we don't know what he looked like when he, he regenerated. So, even if, you know, he's older now, which he obviously is, it doesn't matter, you know, cuz it unlike the other doctors where we did see them when they regenerated. So, obviously that they you know, they need to look like they did back then. So that's why I'm saying anyone after the Eighth Doctor onwards would be suitable to bring back. Though you know Christopher Eccleston would never <laughs> never come back. But you never yeah, say he's, never.
2: He can, he's not hard to animate, though, is he? Let's face it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, he's, he's um, at yeah. And, you know, okay. maybe that's an approach to go down. Maybe just go for the whole CGI and the Doctor's not in it much. Do a really nice job of it. Really blow the budget on one big episode. And uh, get him there. Get him perfect. But get him CG. There's plenty of voice clippings kicking around. They easily Mm. string actual sentences together from the actors, I'd guess. Uh, I don't know. It could be done quite respectfully.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of creative ways to get around the visuals.
2: Are there any... you know, they stuck Hartnell in a pod because he couldn't leave his garage good living. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Are there, any, are there any areas of Doctor Who to be explored that haven't been explored already? I mean, I, I think one thing that I think that is essential is that there should be a, a sense of mystery with the character of the Doctor. I mean, it should be Doctor Who question mark, really. Uh, and and I, I know that's where John Nathan-Turner put the question marks on the collar to remind everyone of that, but no, I'm not going that direction. But there, we shouldn't too much shouldn't be revealed about the Doctor and uh, you know, his background and mm. there's the, the certain stuff that needs to be kept mysterious <laughs> with, yeah, with the Doctor. And I think that's the mistake sometimes with modern writers of Doctor Hughes. Sometimes they go in and, oh, well, we, you know, it's time to explore the Doctor's family or it's time to explore the Doctor's this or that. And I think the more we know, the the less mystery there is. And I, I always enjoyed that yeah. that mystery aspect of the character.
2: Get on with telling some classic stories, you know. I mean, one of the greatest times of Doctor Who was that sort of gothic two seasons sort of lots of gothic stuff. Tell some classics in a Doctor Who way. Get some legends and twist them so that they're aliens instead of monsters. You know, I always like that kind of stuff. Very, very Doctor Who.
0: Okay, so now comes an opportunity where you are presented to bring Doctor Who to the big screen, but it means leaving the TV series. Do you do it? Uh. do you decide to leave the tv series behind as producer and explore bringing doctor who to the big screen personally i i think doctor no. who really belongs on television and i think even though there were two doctor who movies you know on the big screen i that that went off on its own direction and it's went off canon and um, I think if you were to do a Doctor Who movie, it would have to be, I guess, in a, in a sense similar to the X Files movie, where it ties directly into the TV series, and you know, and the TV series needs to continue. And whoever plays the Doctor in a movie should be the current Doctor, whoever is on the TV series.
2: You know, I just don't think I, I don't think I'd do it. I don't think I've actually got the courage to do it. I don't think I've even got the arrogance to do it. Which saying something. I just couldn't take it to the back. I couldn't be responsible for that. Myself as a fan, and to the rest of the fan base, I couldn't be responsible for messing something up in such a weapons-grade, monumental way as a real TV movie of Doctor Who would be.
0: No, well, I agree with you. Though, on the other hand, you could argue, well, if you don't do it, someone else is going to do it and mess it all up. And maybe if you do it, you can do it right. But I, essentially... I, I that,
2: That's fine, but I don't want to have myself assassinated. I can have yeah. them assassinated. <laughs> I don't want to have myself assassinated.
1: The only, way, the only way a big screen version of Doctor Who would work is if BBC Worldwide slash BBC Film got a deal working with the normal BBC... And the BBC said to BBC Worldwide and BBC Film, OK, we're going to take Doctor Who off the air for two years. Now you can do a film.
0: That means two years. As fans, two years without Doctor Who. <laughs>
2: I'm not sure. I've got another two years. No, I'll tell, you, well, I'll tell you what's going now, I think. Give him a year by year, the regular number of episodes on a Saturday night. That's great.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Sorry. Ideally put it on over winter so I can have a roast dinner while watching it. That would be brilliant. Seriously.
3: I think some shows aren't natural television as opposed to film. I mean, I know that some classic sci-fi series have made crossovers, but I'm just not sure that... There's an intimacy about Doctor Who that doesn't need the big screen, and the temptation, I think, for a lot of sci-fi is when you hit the big screen, is to do the the huge action. Mm. Yeah. I don't think it necessarily needs it. Can focus small and be very effective. Look at look at episodes like Blink and even uh, the Doctor's Wife. Mm-hmm. You know, the core of it is quite small. Man's in love
0: with his car, you know. And you know, I absolutely believe, i I absolutely agree with you. And I think sometimes the series finales on the television series goes. You know, sometimes I think they, they have to throw in everything but the kitchen sink to outdo their last series finale. And I, I, I don't really necessarily agree that that needs to happen either. You know, you could, um, you know, the the whole universe doesn't need to be at, at stake at the end of each series. You know you just make it, it, I, it if you ended the series with an episode like Blink I think it would work just as fine you know
3: I um, that was what I loved about Stephen Moffat's first Chris, Christmas special because he took out the kind of oh my god the aliens are invading the earth again at Christmas and went with the the, the sort of Christmas Carol story mm-hmm.
0: Stephen Moffat really had a. Um, if you were to say if he, if he had an agenda, it would be to bring back time travel into Doctor Who, because so uh-huh. much of um, what he has done is, you know, especially like with, with with Blink and with the Christmas Carol, was to bring this television series about time travel and bring time travel into that, you know, into the storytelling.
3: Yes, that's true, and of course the whole River Song thing is based around time. Yes, yes, you're right. In in the Doctor Who parallel world, it did feel that every Christmas time you just needed to hit bunkers.
0: So now, on a completely uh, tangent, I think, uh, as far as the panelists here, has has everyone been watching Torchwood Miracle Day? No. (laughs) Okay. Well, my next question was to be whether or not if, because as we know, Torchwood is a spin-off of Doctor Who and Captain Jack is a spin-off character it's from Doctor really Who. Is really anymore? Well, that, that's my question is now, do the events in Torchwood, let's say Children of Earth or Torchwood Mir- Miracle Day, do those, uh, are those events canon to Doctor Who or no? It, I have, it seems like it's spun off into its own universe now.
1: Torchwood, Torchwood became its own show during Children of Earth, and it's definitely became its own. It's definitely became its own show during Miracle Day. I basically, I basically stopped watching Torchwood after episode one. I looked at it and went, "Okay, this is the direction RTD's going. Good luck to him. You know, he's he's taken the bull by the horn and ran off to America with Captain Jack and all that. But it's got nothing to do with Doctor Who anymore."
0: No. Well, Stephen Moffat um, has... I must admit,
2: I've watched them all, but not willingly. The the lady wife has sort of <laughs> shackled me to furniture, and I've watched them. Uh, her family's Welsh, and, you know, we're sat here in kind of a Welsh sim. There's a lot of good Welsh gags in there. Other than that, I would rather sit in the kitchen with a pencil in my eye.
0: Okay, so, well, Stephen Moffat said that he would like to bring uh, Captain Jack back into the series at some point. Would you bring Captain Jack in? And if you do, that means would there be any references to four, five, six, or uh, Five Core?
2: <laughs> well, I think I think that just isn't. There I, isn't. anything don't think they do. When Captain Jack's in Doctor Who, he's a very different character. He's back to being Jolly Jack again.
0: Yeah, you you noticed that too. You know, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and I'd definitely keep up with that if I was going to bring Captain Jack. And yeah, I would bring Captain Jack. You know, something for the weekend, one for the ladies. Yeah, you would. You know, he's a great character, isn't it? You could have a bit of fun with Captain Jack. You could. Have, you could have a laugh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he'd be Doctor Who Captain Jack.
3: Yeah, on the Doctor Who show, but on Torchwood, very different. Very
0: different character.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you just get him into a bit of cheesy swaggering. Send him off again. Great.
0: I I think some people realize that right away when Torchwood started that it wasn't the same Captain Jack that that many of us knew and loved from Doctor Who that it was very much a different Captain Jack in the Torchwood Uh, series
2: and you know I it's a completely different sci-fi show now and it's kind of weird though isn't it because Sarah Jane Adventures was for kids really for kids but, wow, I really enjoyed that. It was mm-hmm. great. I mean, okay, I've not rewatched really them. It was brilliant. But I've got to say, Torch would kind of pass me over. When you start a series with, you know, one of the lead characters he's supposed to sympathize with, like, sympathize with is essentially a date rapist. It's a bit downhill from there when your sensibility is alive with something as classic as Doctor Who. Um, it very much feels a different world straight away. Uh,
0: yes, agreed. Any other as any, anyone else wants to chime in on any other what they would do as a yeah, producer. I got one.
2: How would you decorate your console room? <laughs> How, what would the new console room look like in your Doctor's TARDIS?
0: Oh, I can answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you picking on me first?
2: Because you're the biggest rotor and we all know it. Like, well, hey!
0: Well, for me, I, it would have to be a functional-looking Console room, you know, where it seems, uh, especially the the last version of it, uh, and and to some extent this version of it, seems very ornamental. And I rather see something that looks more functional. And you know, I think we've, we've done ecleptic. You know, <laughs> I think we've gone as far as we could with like an ecleptic console. So maybe something more streamlined and something that just seems. Um, you know steampunk is okay but it just it needs to look functional and it looks like like everything that's doing like everything that's all the controls need to look like they actually do things and not just glued on to make it look cool
2: yeah tats in the audience just raised a nice thing and i think i'd go for that as well if there was some kind of i'd do like half an episode where the internal chameleon circuit failed or something and it went back to being the harnell room if I can do the whole fantasy thing, let's have it back at the Hartnell Room for like mm-hmm. half an episode or a full episode, something like that. That
4: would be what
1: fun. I would, what I would do, going, I'm going around in circles here, but if I was the executive producer of Doctor Who and the BBC gave me lots and lots of money to waste, sorry, spend on the
0: programme, <laughs> I
1: would, uh, by that time, of course, the time laws are already back. So I would tie it in, if they were still using the same I console, which they probably will be using, I it would it end it up going like back to Gallifrey, and then when I was in Gallifrey, I would have one of the Time Lord kind of quarter master type, bureaucratic, busybody type people say, oh doctor, you're still using a type 40, that's a piece of junk here, have a type 70, and then go back to the classic series console, per- perfect, fixed, sorted.
0: Well, supposedly the TARDIS has saved all these other well, rooms. These, these console rooms still exist mm. in, in the TARDIS, so if you want to bring them back, you don't even need to have the chameleon circuit fail. You could just uh, <laughs> have uh, the TARDIS uh, rearrange the configuration so that's the, the main room.
2: That's true, but I think it'd be cool if for half an episode that looked like it was the default and everything else mm. was down. I kind of like the feeling of that. Yeah. Um, like the and I think I'd level. come Would anyone go back to the white... In general. Yes, I'd
3: like to see a minimalist time, um, TARDIS.
2: Ooh, okay.
4: Something
3: that, was, that was almost kind of a blank box until you started doing things and then things appeared as you needed them.
2: Ooh, a bit like the Pertwee, a little bit. Mm. Cool. Nice. I don't know, I've got to say that if I had a console room, it would be my console room that I've got in Second Life because that's, you know, taking me five years to put together and I keep fiddling with it, and it's never quite right. So
0: well, I, I guess, guess i
2: have to say it would be that.
0: This sort of ties into Second Life very well, because, uh, you know, fantasizing about being the executive producer of Doctor Who is sort of like role-playing here on Second Life and what um, many people do here on Second Life.
3: This yep. is true. I'm actually getting a TARDIS fairly
4: soon.
2: A space to put Are oh, you now?
4: Really? Mm-hmm.
2: You'll
4: have to have us over for tea. I shall, but it's only
3: going to be a very simple console.
2: I shall have to give you a rest point.
3: <laughs> and, uh, and then a simple rest point. I'm working on a backstory to use about it as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We'll have a chat Everybody's at some point, that would be different. great. If you want to weave it into the new Gallifrey stuff, give us a shout. I shall have
3: fun. Cool. I, uh, I looked at it, rather than the room end, I looked at it from the story end and trying to work out how I could get involved. And so I did it from the story end, but it involves me having a TARDIS. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, that's something
2: to talk about. That's nice, not great.
0: Fantastic. Well, we're looking for, a, we're looking forward to a housewarming or a Tartus warming party.
4: Yeah. <laughs> for party.
0: So Terry, we I know got rid of you had some technical <laughs> problems there, and you had to you poofed off, and now you're back. I I don't know what you may have missed, but is there anything that uh, you wanted to add that maybe you weren't able to say before?
4: I'm sorry. Is was that directed at me? Yes.
0: <laughs> while you were, I know you had some technical problems and you had to leave, and you're, you're oh. back. So I'm not sure exactly what you missed while you were gone. Right. Well, I don't know. I missed the...
4: a lot. I missed about ten minutes at least. I don't. I
2: we don't were know just talking about, were talking about fantasy stuff. What would be a fantasy console room?
4: Oh, fantasy console room well i i can't help it i i like the McGann console room although i'll agree with they they took that idea and they sort of like went bonkers with it now where it's just sort of crazy um it's fun i like the console room now it's fun but it's a little yeah i'll agree it's overdone i i think i i'd, I'd like i'd i'd go back to the McGann style thing it, more homey, and he was still steampunk without being overdone, Um, and reminiscent reminiscent of that secondary console room that Tom Baker had, which Mm. I always loved. Oh, yeah. Wood paneling, brass fixtures.
0: See, the thing with with, um, the Eighth Doctor's console room and, you know, Paul McGann's room is that it is it does look functional even though it's steampunk it looks functional and I think once it got very eclectic, where things just looked like they were glued on and Everything looked ornamental than functional. That's, an, that's that's where I
4: yeah, it, it's it's got travesty. a lot Yeah, it Yeah, it's a travesty.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the the movie one was just so epic. It was suitable for the movie because we'd always wanted to see just how much money you could throw into the console room and how cool it could be if you did a movie. Oh. And it is. I'm sorry, it's the best bit about the movie. It's just. Yeah. It was. I remember seeing it the first time and thinking, that's everything I'd want a console room mm. to be. And mine in SL kind of reflects that. You know, I'm
4: sorry, it's the second loads of best, bookshelves bit level.
2: Right, the best bit All right, this is You make a better window than you do a door, Terrence. You can see straight through you. <laughs>
0: Well, initially I was sort of off-put by it when the first um, photos came out because you were so used to everything being white, and now it was all dark. And but I, but then I turned around and it's one of my favorite console rooms. Hmm.
2: Hmm. I do like the classic whites. I do think they went downhill when you got to, um, you know, towards the end of the whites. They did look very, very plasticky and a little too functional and too many just glowing square. Funds.
4: i don't mind the minimalist either though i i mean i i'm all for variety i'm all for you know having the console room change every few years i, I don't have a problem with that <laughs> i don't i don't mind it going from busy to minimal or whatever you know variety is the spice of life and um i like both mm-hmm. ideas
2: yeah i think exterior wise i go back to the classic baker Hmm. Yeah, I like it being the harnel now. Well, you know, almost the harnel now, but I think I go back to a more plain box. Good solid box.
4: With warehouse hallways and giant swimming pools. <laughs> yeah, and why, hospital not? Beds. why
2: not? Why not giant swimming pools? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> They want like huge gardens, and and you know, yeah, you, you come in and listen to something the size of the Crystal Palace because you can. You have a massive garden inside the Crystal Palace right. in your TARDIS, with a fake I atmosphere want, and everything. Why not?
4: Totally, I want Rory and 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 Amy to be wandering around and suddenly find, like, a huge open park area or something crazy
2: yeah i was a bit disappointed in those corridors i mean it was nice yeah. beautifully played you know the stuff between them and they're getting older getting younger you left mm-hmm. me it was actually a beautiful scene in those corridors perhaps a bit disappointed i could have didn't say much more
0: yeah i wanted to see more
2: things
0: well hopefully we'll have an opportunity and as you as executive producer we'll definitely see more well, I, yeah. I think that might wrap up let's, this uh, panel, unless anyone else have any other input as far as what they would do as um, if they were the top guy or top gal, as it would be.
2: Yeah, I'd, I would continue to produce the games, but I would give them more money to produce the games, because the games companies that produce the games, the people that work for them have kind of a hard time. They're very, very constrained by what they can do because it's a fixed sum that they're getting for the game. They're not getting any money on top of it. It's money from the BBC and the Beeb are very demanding. I'd cut back the slack and really let them go for it with the games and actually put that in the hands of the game developers and say, right, what well, can you come up with? Communicate with me as the talent, as the script writer, et cetera, and get them all talking. Because I think that could be really something.
0: And one thing that is... Just- other
2: mediums as well, maybe? You know, look at maybe throwing out a couple of audios or, or what have
0: you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's another thing I would do. I would give I would give big finish, absolute full backing, and just throw lots and lots of money at them to keep doing what they're doing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you could maybe give them a canon rating, couldn't you? So you could actually say to Big Finish, like, right, talk to us and we'll we'll assign some of the ones previously as canon or as well. And we'll say like right oh, there, Canon. And anything you make in the future, yeah, it could be Canon if it's got the C rating. To get people buying it and, you know, get more product C out ra- there.
4: The C rating. Give some of the old actors some
2: like Yeah, C for Canon
4: <laughs> I love that. C rated.
2: Hey, fantasy oh, producer time.
5: There should also be an NC rating for non-canon, which can be... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Because there's no gray areas. Oh, no. (laughs) Not if I'm producer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one one uh, thing I would have to add back to the series is a sound department, because I think the current series use too much stock audio sounds. And if you go back to the classic, classic series, they were always inventing... Different sound effects, and here in the new in the current series, if you hear one alarm sound, you've heard them all, and it seems like they keep on using the same. Every time there's an, an alarm klaxon, it's the same one. You know, outside of the cloister bells, that is. It just it seems like maybe there's three yeah. different hey, alarms to go that they use.
4: Not Lou. to go on a tangent, but what's up with that hawk sound that you hear in every movie? <laughs> Have you noticed that? It's the same hawk sound. It's that, that hawk
2: is everywhere. <laughs> <Swear>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like the, the Windhelm anyway. scream gets a bit overused these yeah.
2: days. You know, I mean, that's another thing, I guess. Would we keep Murray gold?
5: Yeah. Oh, yeah, Murray. Oh,
4: sure. Cool.
2: Yeah. Now it's, no, it's time for a change yeah. by then, surely. I know we're probably not going to be able to afford John Williams, but, you know. <laughs> Maybe mix it up a bit. Get Apex Twin in there, something like that.
4: Dude, we are talking fantasy here. I mean, we're talking as if we oh, have yeah. uh, yes. unlimited funds to do anything we wanted.
0: Unlimited <laughs> <laughs> rice pudding.
5: Yeah, you
0: can,
2: you can probably get Murray for a bag of crisps.
5: Like us, like me, <laughs> I volunteer.
0: Well, before we wrap things up, I want to say happy birthday to Sylvester McCoy. As we record this, it's on his birthday. He's 68 today, so happy birthday. Sylvester McCoy, the seventh hey, doctor.
3: Sylvester.
1: Happy oh, birthday, Sylvester. Oh, he's 68. He's looking good for
2: 68. He is, isn't he? He does look well.
5: Hey.
2: Yeah. He's lucky though, Sylvester, because you're never gonna notice dementia, are you?
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's like is he acting or is he really off his a
2: Gentlemen. Good play. Also,
1: before before Lewis wraps things up, um, this pod Shop party will probably, if things roll along fast, which they never do in this sim because we're all sitting around doing nothing, but look around, folks, because this may be the last time there'll be a pod Shop party in this sim as oh. you're looking at it right now why is that oh big changes of foot. what does
4: that mean
3: what does yeah, that mean there's
1: those, those big big i'm not going to see nothing i can't really get
2: <sighs> non-disclosure agreement <laughs> i i understand go on <laughs> slip us something to the press here
4: <laughs> hi <come on. laughs> Afia sitting as right are, next as,
1: to you. As, as everyone knows, Mesh is rolling out. Sorry for all Ooh. the... Podcast. Listeners who's going, what the heck is he talking about? What is Mesh? Second life. The way Second Life works... Um... Everything you see in Second Life, 99.9% of the stuff you see in-world, no matter where you go, is made by residents, people that are spending money or spending time in Second Life. And up till now, the way that things were made was either by the in- well, it's all in-world tools, sculpted or normal prim work. But now, it started at the beginning of this month. Linden Labs is now allowing the import of mesh Objects, which is 3D manufactured objects and programs like TPS Max, Cinema 4D, etc. 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 By the time the next Pod Shop podcast party hits in
0: November, I think it is. Yeah, it? November.
1: By the time the next one hits, you will basically not recognize this sim if all goes according to plan.
2: Are there any, going to be any browser constrictions for that, Leonel, you know, Victor?
4: Yeah, you have to have browsers what? that view mesh. Browser. Oh, yeah. browser
2: constrictions?
5: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Um, to view this, um. and by the time November pops around, what what Linden Labs will probably do is, is bring in... Rod Humble, the CEO of Linden Labs, said he won't do it, but I reckon they'll be forced to do it because by the time the end of this year pops around, almost every single region in Second Life will have some mesh objects on it. We'll yeah. Yeah.
2: And they look great as well, they really do. It's going to change a hell of a lot around here. It's changed a lot in our. Well, New Califrey mm-hmm. got on mesh just because we're like a test environment, because we build stuff there. And just and some of the stuff I've seen, you can literally, if you'll excuse the expression, pull a whole steam rail out your pocket and it's one prim. It's uh, a beautifully light sourced and things.
1: As Bob Dylan once said, the times they are are changing, and they definitely are for SL.
0: So how would that how would yeah, that impact that would our meetups though? I mean would that um I mean this area would still be here?
1: Oh yeah, that's the Katrina will still be here but it'll just looking better.
4: Louis Yes. Louis. Yes. Victor is just being dramatic,
2: okay? I can do Go on.
0: All right, well <laughs> I like to thank our esteemed panelists here, and I want to thank everyone for taking part on, you know, in this um, our first time doing this. And hopefully, Victor will be able to come back and do it again in November. You know, we'll have a different topic at hand, and um, we'll do another panel discussion if all goes according to plan. Unless the the, the we're meshed out.
4: <laughs> we're meshed up. Pass the mesh, please.
0: <laughs> Will be a whole bunch of mashed potatoes. Well, thank
4: you so much for inviting us. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: <laughs> so, uh, thank you.
2: I hope you don't have to buzz our profanities too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, thank you, Terry and Ulan, cool both point. from the Dirty Hoosers, and also uh, S- uh, Safir. I'm sorry. From um, um, who's um, involved with um, from Print Perfect magazine, that is. Isn't that right? Okay, and um, that's f- right. And of course, uh, Victor, who we have to thank for this lovely pre-mesh version of Katrina.
1: <laughs> well, actually, you've got to thank Nodster stuff for that because non-stuff Tardis is in the audience. Right? Aye. Right. Oh, applause, applause! Oh, the, applause! The mesh Good man, just quiet. The, thing <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> mesh version will be basically made by most of the owners because mesh building takes a lot of time well yeah it does it takes a lot of time
0: well thank you north star tardis and and everyone that's um helps out victor with katrina we're ever so grateful to have this wonderful place this warm inviting place to come and do our meetups and and um you know and of course everyone in the audience that that took part in um in this panel discussion so we're going to wrap things up and um, say thank you. And until um, next time, now we have the Don't this isn't the end of our meetup, the party continues, Victor. At uh, oh, in a half was it a half hour from now? The party that uh, begins, or
1: yeah, three o'clock. We've got the Australian Mr.
2: Edward Pierce, as always. Oh, uh, fantastic, and always with a who theme
0: behind it. Give fantastic. It. So the party's just beginning. In a half hour's time or so, we'll be back here on the stage here. Well, not this stage, but um, this, this area here for our dance party with a uh, DJ and music. And so the party's just We're beginning.
2: We're dancing, kill
0: Yes. I want to thank all our panelists and everyone that attended our panel discussion and our meetup last week. It was a great success once again. Do you want to share your thoughts on what you would do if given the reins of Doctor Who? Call the Podshock public call box line at 206-984-3543. You can also visit our website at podshock.net. And with this oncoming storm, you know, I believe we're going to probably postpone our live shows scheduled for Sunday. That's Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi and Doctor Who Podshock, you know, respectively reviewing the latest episodes of those two series but with this um storm coming up we're probably going to be postponing that and probably be doing doubling up next week uh, just reviewing both episodes two episodes at the same time perhaps well stay tuned to our website for further details so that wraps things up for the show thank you for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon <laughs> cheers everyone You've been listening to Dr. Who Podchock, presented by the fan run Embassy.org. Dr. Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Dr. Who Podchock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Dr. Who Podchock theme music by Jeff Smith at TheJeffSmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifern Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now available in the iTunes app Store.
5: Run for your life.